0: This morning is the ninth and final talk in this series entitled Thy Kingdom Come, Getting to the Heart of the Revolutionary Message of Jesus. And I'm going to split my talk this morning into two parts. The first part, we're going to do a recap on the last eight weeks. And I think this is uh, important simply because I've just bombarded you with information. There's been a bit of an information overload, probably, these last number of weeks. So we're going to look at that and link it all together so that we know where we are. And then the second part, we are going to uh, ask a really important question. And the question is basically, so what? (coughs) What's the big challenge for me in my life in 2016? So let's recap. Let's recap. In week one, we learned that the message of the kingdom or the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God was absolutely central to Jesus. But what is the kingdom of heaven? You know, many Christians see that phrase, which is in Matthew's gospel, and they will see the word heaven. And immediately they will think in the sweet by and by we will meet on that beautiful shore, as some of the hymns used to tell us the place where we will go to be after this life. But that isn't what Jesus really is referring to here. The kingdom of heaven, I believe, includes the heavenly kingdom. But what Jesus was talking about was far bigger and far more extensive than merely what happens to us when our life is over. The kingdom of heaven essentially is God's new society on earth. And the phrase kingdom of heaven is found in Matthew's gospel, (coughs) whereas Mark And Luke, they use another term. Instead of using kingdom of heaven, they speak of the kingdom of God. And the reason that Matthew has kingdom of heaven is because he was writing to Jews. And Jews of that particular era, um, they they believed that the name of God was so holy that you shouldn't even mention it. (coughs) So Matthew was being sensitive to his readers and he substituted God for heaven. Matthew, Mark, and Luke speak of the kingdom on many, many occasions. But when we come to John's gospel, John only uses uh, the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God on five occasions, compared to 55 in Matthew. And John uses a related phrase, which most often is translated in our New Testaments with the words eternal life, or life to the full, or abundant life, or sometimes just life. And just like um, uh, the kingdom of heaven is often misunderstood, eternal life is often misunderstood. That some people feel that it's speaking only of this eternal future dimension. But it's much more than what we think of as heaven. It's life of God's kingdom which starts here in this world now. You know, you ask all Christians, all Christians will tell you that... um, They believe in life after death. But the big question is, do we believe in life before death? Because Jesus spoke considerably more about this world and life before death than he's ever said about life in the next world. And as Christians, we're not just called to sit around and wait for a time one day when we will meet Jesus. You know, we were saying earlier on about Barbara's passing on this week. And she's with Jesus. And we rejoice in that. And for those who have entrusted their lives to Jesus, that we one day will meet him face to face. How wonderful is that? Well, tell your faces. (laughs) That's incredibly wonderful. But you see, Jesus, when he spoke, he was speaking essentially about this life. When he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And that we give ourselves to kingdom purposes with passion. So the kingdom is both um, a present reality, it's here, it's now, it's near, although it's only partial, and it's also a future hope. That when Christ comes back to judge the living and the dead, that he will bring justice to those who have suffered injustice in this life. Doesn't that sound great? Because we see injustice all around us. And he's going to balance the scales. And then God's rule will be complete and there will be new heavens and a new earth and the wolf wolf and the lamb will lie down together. There's some wonderful metaphors that we have in the scriptures for that. In the second week, we looked at the uh, the Jewish Jesus, discovering how revolutionary Jesus' message was. Um, At a time when the Roman emperor was viewed as the divine son of God. And he was also viewed as Pontifex Maximus, which is Latin for chief priest. So for Jesus to go around preaching and teaching that there was another kingdom, implying another king was most dangerous. It really was. It seemed as if every group in Jewish society had a solution to what was happening, because um, uh, Palestine was under foreign occupation, had been for about 600 years, and uh, and uh, Israel at that time, they had foreign occupiers who were the Romans, and everybody had a solution. The zealots, they were the freedom fighters. They said, "We need a sword in hand and go and slip, slit, slit a few Roman throats." That was their answer to this uh, problem. Then the Herodians are saying, "Well, you're not going to defeat them. That's never ever going to happen. Look how strong they are. It's far better to compromise with them." And then the Pharisees, they had a different solution altogether. They just went around blaming the, the prostitutes and the sinners for causing God's displeasure. And they said, well, if everybody gets a little bit holier, then maybe God will come out to our deliverance. And there was another group called the Essenes. They were the ones who lived out by the Dead Sea in the Qumran. That's not Qumran for those in Welsh, okay? <laughs> the Qumran area. And they said, Look, you know, our solution is just we'll just go and, and, and live in this desert space all by ourselves and nobody's going to bother us out there. Everybody has a solution. But Jesus had the most radical and revolutionary solution uh, of all. But Jesus said that God's kingdom advances with neither bloodshed nor violence, neither hatred nor revenge, it advances with faith and with reconciliation, and with forgiving love. It advances by turning the other cheek, or by going the second mile. And what's most revolutionary about this revolutionary message of Jesus, what's most revolutionary is that it's a revolution which is non-violent. Wow. Many evangelical Christians have focused... On the Jesus who is the the personal saviour whose job was to die for our sins that we would one day go to heaven. And we thank God for sending Christ. We thank Jesus for dying on the cross. That he died for our sin. But the heart of Jesus' kingdom message was far more about bringing heaven to transform earth than Christians escaping earth to one day go to heaven week three we looked at the hidden message of Jesus we asked why is Jesus teaching so often hidden and uh, sometimes and I think we all agreed with this on the morning because I remember asking you do you ever find Jesus' message rather elusive and uh, hard to pin down and some people might say abstract or vague or obscure and uh, I've often found myself, as I read the scriptures, read the Gospels, asking, well, does Jesus really want people to understand him? Because this, on occasions, appears a little bit on the vague side. And I think that we confess that Jesus isn't always easy to understand. And that are times that we are left just scratching our heads, wondering what on earth Jesus is saying, why is he making his message so difficult? Sometimes he uses... Metaphors which are strange to us. Other times, when people ask him straightforward questions, instead of giving them a straightforward a- um, answer, do you remember what he did? That's right. He answered. He, he asked them more questions. And I, I, on that study, we looked at 29 occasions. I don't think we looked at them all, but we looked at a few of them. That Jesus did that. And then the parables themselves. <clears throat> Many people think that the parables are like windows of light, that they are illustrations to shed light on what Jesus is teaching. Not at all. Not at all. The parables are designed to tease us. They get under our skin. They tantalise us. They provoke us. They entice us. And in doing all of this, in scratching our heads, wondering what on earth does that mean, we're actually being drawn closer to Jesus. That's quite a wonderful technique. You see, the parables do something far more important than convey information to the hearers. They are aimed at our spiritual transformation. And that's why Jesus spoke in parables. In week four, we spoke about entering (coughs) into the kingdom or God's new society. And Jesus didn't make it easy for us to enter into the kingdom because his kingdom has values and principles which are the very opposite of the way that we have lived our lives up to this date. And to enter the kingdom means that we have to rethink, that we have to unlearn, that we have to relearn everything. When Jesus spoke to religious Nicodemus, he told him that he needed to be born again. In other words, that he needed to become like a, a child all over again and to relearn and unlearn everything that he had learned. And then in week 5, we looked at the Kingdom Manifesto. And uh, also, a second part in week 6. Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7 is often called the Sermon on the Mount. We call it the, Manif- the Kingdom Manifesto. <clears throat> because in these three chapters, Jesus teaches all about the values of his kingdom. And what it means to be a member of his church, a member of his kingdom... On earth. And a key verse for those who were around then that we looked at was Matthew chapter 5 verse 20. where Jesus said, For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of God. And if we understand that one verse, I think that we will probably understand all of the Sermon on the Mount. It's an amazing statement. Why is it so amazing? Well, the people in society at the time, they thought that these religious Pharisees as paragons of virtue. They were viewed by common people as the most holy people on earth. And it would seem almost scandalous here that Jesus is saying that the scribes and the Pharisees are not entering into the kingdom, and that those who would enter into the kingdom need to do a little bit better than they. Whoa! Just try and put your shoes with your feet in the shoes of those who are in the first century and understand this and then Jesus introduces a, um, a series of examples uh, of what this actually meant practically and we looked at those at the time do you remember the two sayings uh, Jesus said that you've heard of, um, you have heard that it was said meaning this is what you've heard from the, the law and the prophets and the traditions of Israel this is what I say to you. And there are eight examples of that in Matthew chapter 5. And what Jesus is doing there, he's showing that the values of being a part of God's kingdom are considerably higher than the values of the religious leaders of the day. And you see, the religious elite in Jewish society, what they were doing, and they thought that they were right in doing this, they were just obeying the laws externally. But Jesus is saying, that's no big deal. That's no big deal at all. And Jesus raises the bar. And he says, it's not just about not doing some external wrong. It's more than that. It's about having a changed heart to do what is right. That's the difference. The Pharisees, they thought that uh, as long as they weren't murdering anybody or committing adultery or etc., etc., They thought that they were righteous, and Jesus is saying no. And Jesus gets to the the depths of this and deals with the inward motivations of a person's heart, of greed and lust and and so forth. So, the righteousness of the Pharisees was about not doing wrong. The righteousness of the kingdom is about having a changed heart to do what is right. And then in week 7, we looked at the clash of the kingdoms that there is a clash between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. If you like, there's a spiritual battle which is going on in the heavenlies. Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of God and his first coming to earth. When he comes back again, that kingdom will be consummated. It will be completed. But between then and then, every time a person bows the knee to receive Jesus as Lord, a little bit more the kingdom has come. Every time a person is healed, a little bit more of God's kingdom has come. Every time a person is released from demonic oppression, that that kingdom has come again. And whenever we feed the poor and clothe the naked and show hospitality and provide water for the thirsty and mercy and compassion and forgiveness and grace, the kingdom of God is advancing all the time. The outcome is certain. We're on the victory side. Last week, we looked at the Kingdom's Prayer, and we studied the words commonly known as the Lord's Prayer, which included that sentence upon which this uh, whole series is based. Your Kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. I feel exhausted. That was a whistle-stop tour of eight weeks. And I've condensed there into about 12 minutes what I think has taken probably about five, over five hours of teaching, okay? And there's no way that I can do that justice at all. And if you want to listen to those talks again and perhaps maybe take notes next time, or if you've missed any of the studies, then they're all available uh, on our website. Which brings me to the conclusion. The conclusion of this series To answer the so what questions. What is the challenge for me? Living my life in 2016. You see, kingdom isn't a particularly religious word. And Jesus seemed to go out of his way to present his teaching in ways that ordinary people could understand. And kingdoms, kingdoms of this world, they have priests and they have preachers. Yes, they do. But they also have farmers and painters and engineers and drivers and writers and doctors and nurses and carpenters and scientists and diplomats and lawyers. Yes, even lawyers. (laughs) Sorry, guys. There are wonderful examples all around us of God's kingdom advancing in this world through ordinary people. I was reading... uh, Recently, just about uh, U2's uh, lead singer, Bono, who uses his wealth and celebrity status to advance the kingdom of God in our world today. As far back as uh, 1982, he was involved in uh, live aid and band aid concerts that helped the Ethiopians suffering from famine. Bono himself was uh, compelled to go to Ethiopia to make sure that the funds were used honestly and effectively. And what he saw there changed his life, that he and his wife went out for about six weeks and uh, worked in an orphanage. And uh, he reminisces in this way. You wake up in the morning and the mist would be lifting. You'd walk out of your tent and you'd count bodies of dead or abandoned children. Or worse, the father of a child would walk up to you and try to give you his living child and say you take it because if this is your child it won't die. You know, Dan earlier on in our service this morning spoke about the work that Jackie is doing in Malawi and for those of you who may be um, visiting us this morning Jackie was the assistant pastor here for 18 months and she just felt called to go to Malawi and we as a church are helping support the work which is uh, being done out there. And in the last month, you know, the heart-rending experience of having four dead babies that she needed to then put in her car and bring back from the city of Lantyre to where Hope Village is but an hour away. But you see, through her work, many, many, many others have been saved. And her work wouldn't be at all possible unless it was for the many people who fund her personally and who also fund the baby feeding project. You know, I think it's so wonderful that our money can go where we may not be able to go personally. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah? (coughs) Coming back to to Bonnell. You know, he's done more than contribute financially to the needs that he saw first hand some three decades ago but since then he has worked fearlessly uh, fiercely rather to change the policies of governments and and, and organizations like the, the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund in order to fund public health and education and he has persuaded many of the wealthier nations of the world to lend financial muscle to helping third world countries to reduce their debts and also in addressing the AIDS crisis in Africa saving probably tens of thousands of people he isn't a pastor not a a preacher, not a vicar not an evangelist, not a missionary he's a rock star but he's doing what he can in touching the lives of countless numbers of people as an agent of the kingdom of God. Brian McLaren, in his excellent book, The Secret Message of Jesus, says this, The real difference in our world is not made by us preachers, but by those who endure our preaching. I'm sorry that he's used the word endure there. (laughs) Do you know what I think He's right? It's those people like you, who live out the stuff that we are talking about here in church, day by day by day, in the laboratory, in the classroom, in the kitchen, in the marketplace, in the factory, in your neighborhoods, or even as a rock star who has the ear of world leaders. Now many of us here this morning, probably all of us have heard of Bono, but how many of us have heard of Carter? Carter is a 75-year-old African-American, a taxi driver in Washington, D.C., and Brian McLaren tells his story, and I want to read this story to you. It's a great story. So, here goes. Back in 1994, Carter served as a taxi driver for a man from Malawi, Africa. Because Carter wasn't just a taxi driver but instead was a taxi driver for the kingdom of God he treated his guest with special respect as only a taxi driver in the kingdom of God can. The guest introduced Carter to some other Malawian friends and soon Carter the taxi driver was invited to visit Malawi which he did in 1998. There Carter saw poverty he had never before imagined. He prayed, Lord, help me bring some joy to this village. And God answered his prayer. First, Carter realized that there was no road in the village, just a narrow path, rutted and muddy. And I love what McLaren says. He says, this is the kind of thing that a taxi driver would notice. If I had been there, I would have noticed they needed a library. (laughs) With a proper road, people could get around better. The elderly and sick people could be transported to hospital. He had brought some money, so he offered to pay for gas and oil for drivers if the people of the village would do the work. Soon Carter's generous spirit, the spirit of the kingdom of God, became contagious and someone provided a grader and then more and more people volunteered to help. Three days later, they had built a proper road, a mile and a quarter long. A year or so later, he returned to the village. A young man had been falsely accused of stealing and was stuck in jail. Since Carter seeks the kingdom and justice of God, wherever he goes, he got involved. And soon the young man was set free. On the same visit, Carter met a boy who needed medical care that was available only in a distant city. Carter made it possible for the boy to get treatment on a regular basis by finding and convincing a taxi driver, to take him. Next year, he went back again, and this time helped some young men improve their farming. Carter is not an agriculturalist, but he used his money he had saved from his job job as a taxi driver in the kingdom of God to buy them some additional seeds. He made connections and got 26 soccer balls donated to the children of the village. Because in the kingdom of God, Fun and play are important things. Carter knew this. He even helped to get a football kit. Because in the kingdom of God, dignity and pride are also important things. On another trip, Carter, the taxi driver's generosity, inspired a shopkeeper in the village to donate money to help some sick children get treatment for ringworm. Soon a school was launched and it grew from 17 to 85 students quickly. No wonder when you see signs of the kingdom of God coming to your village you'd want to learn all you can about it Roads Rides Seeds Ringworm medicine Soccer balls Football kits These are all signs of the kingdom of God in that little village And Carter said I don't do any of this myself God is doing it through me Wow. What do you think of that story? Good story. I just wonder if his number plate on his taxi is 007. (laughs) Secret agent of the kingdom of God. And you see there are thousands, if not millions of carters. No one has heard of them. They don't appear on television. They don't appear on Christian radio. They don't write books because their lives are a living letter, which is read by others. People who might never ever read a page of the Bible in their lifetimes will see the Bible coming alive in the lives of people like Carter. Paul provides us with a beautiful outworking of the kingdom in his letter to Titus. There he tells us that that slaves who made up a large percentage actually of the Roman population, that they have a place to play in the kingdom of God. Imagine that. Slaves. The lowest of the low. The most disenfranchised of all groups. The most put upon people in all of society that they have a role to play. It's quite astonishing. This is what Paul writes in Titus 2, 9 and 10. Slaves must always obey their masters and do their best to please them. They must not talk back or steal That must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. They will make the teaching about God our saviour attractive. In every way. I put that last phrase. That last sentence. In blue so it stands out. What a statement. What a statement. The most disenfranchised group in society. That they could make Jesus attractive in every way. And the question. (laughs) The question which. Begs, it begs us all to ask is do we do the same you know our lives are a gift from God so that more people would be drawn to him through us everyone has a role women and men masters and servants old and young, blue collar white collar previously religious previously irreligious we all have a part to play I'm nearly through. Oh, I didn't even have an amen. So, hey, I must be, I must be doing all right there. My friend, uh, Neil Hudson, works for London Institute of Contemporary Christianity. And a few years back, he wrote um, a course on, entitled Life on the Frontline. And he commissioned a short video, which we are going to watch. It's about five minutes long. And uh, for those who are listening on, uh, to this talk on podcast, please stop the recording now and click the attached hyperlink and then come back for the end of the message. Okay, let's watch it. And you see, the kingdom of God is made up of those who are just like Anne. Ordinary people, busy, everyday, ordinary lives with jobs and families and friends and taxi driving and kids Uh, moments uh, of relaxation, winding down in front of the telly when you get home. And you see, ordinary people very often, I find, are, like us, are mildly frustrated. Because there are times that we compare ourselves with others. And we say, well, we haven't got the ability that that person has. We haven't got the faith that that person has. They appear to be doing so many great things for God. But look at me, I'm such the, the poor relation here. Anne had many front lines, and I would encourage you today that you also have front lines, which are your mission fields. And maybe you feel that life is very ordinary. You might feel that your job is the most boring, degrading, unfulfilling job in the world. But I would encourage you to view your life and your job as an opportunity that you can make a difference In the lives of other people. And to bring a little bit of heaven to earth. And if the ands of this world. And there are many of them. And many here today. Can be used. And the carter. A 75 year old taxi driver. From Washington DC. Can be used. I believe so can we. To bring compassion. And forgiveness. And God's light. And goodness. And mercy. And grace. And care. And laughter and joy and love to those around us. Why? Because we are kingdom people. That's why. May your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.